0: Ready? One, two, three, four. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Thompson tries to answer and does. Play Thompson. With back-to-back threes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. T.C. Martin. He's hotter than fish degrees. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Wiggins a three-pointer. Touch it in. A 15-point lead with 143 to play. Dr. T.C. Martin launches. The Warriors are NBA champions again. The fourth title in eight years. The Doves dynasty is still very much alive. Here's the man. T.C. Margin. The doctor is now in. All
1: right. Well, the doctor's not in. The doctor is in Connecticut getting ready to uh Do the play by play for the Las Vegas Aces, or should I say the 2022 WNBA champion. Las Vegas Aces, let's get it right. I want to make sure they get their full due. But uh, Brian Feldman sitting in for T.C. Martin today. Uh, T.C. Martin, again, on the road for a little bit. He's going to be on the road, I think, until next Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. He'll be back with you then, some other guest hosts. I know Jose Vellante's done a couple. Chris Wynn's doing one. Ken Thompson. Bro, bro, bro. Um, So, getting all them. So, bro, bro. (laughs) Bro, bro, bro. And and I just realized, I just learned today also that I will be uh, betting on... um, the, uh, Florida Panthers, or is it the Vegas Golden Knights? Win? Because Golden Chris Knight. is, is he, he picked,
2: so yeah. yeah, he picked the Florida. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I love Chris Wynn, but we I'm, did, I'm, we gotta bet find it. out game four. I'm betting
1: you know. against him. Yeah. Well, he's my handicapper. I just go the opposite way. <laughs> that, <you> know, <laughs> that always works. But, uh, once again, Brian Feldman filling in. i also going to be joining me today, a guy that started off as an intern a couple of years ago on my other show, just barely down the dial. I can give it out here. I think out of line on Fox Sports radio. Uh, Spencer has moved into the role of, uh, we call him the social media director but he's really like a co-host everything else the kids are walking encyclopedia when it comes to the Raiders and to bask especially to basketball and the WNBA I need help in the area of the WNBA and Spencer's my help so I appreciate it as always so I wanted him to sit in here get him a little exposure and of course since he doesn't since you don't have it with you the Wiz. Oh, we don't we don't have it with us, do we, Spence? Oh man, yeah, he is known as the Wiz, and we've got he's got his own theme music and everything. Not here now, but uh, if you check us out on Sunday morning, you'll hear the show. And also, joining me for the first uh, segment of the show, and I want to mention my guest real quick. The first segment right now, to my right on your radio dial <laughs> is a uh, Big Mo, they call him Paul McKesky. Several years in the NBA, University of Kansas graduate, and uh, Paul's going to join the show to help us break down these NBA. Finals. I got to watch uh, Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals at Paul's house. Had some great pizzas from St- St- Stallone's Italian eatery. The and, Beach Club. and the Mulkesky Beach Club. And we had a good time. And we watched the Miami Heat take down the Boston Celtics, which to me, I know I was there with Shapiro, who's from that area of the country. He was unhappy. I was happy as hell because I can't stand the Boston Celtics, remember? I'm from Detroit, a place that Mo once played. Hmm. So, uh, we'll talk about that. I also coming on a little bit later in the show. TC Martin will come on at the, after the first break to talk Las Vegas Aces and uh, they're playing the Connecticut Sun where they actually won the WNBA championship uh in 2022. And then of course, Mark Anderson is going to come on the show in the second hour to talk Vegas Golden Knights. Mark Anderson is the beat writer for the Associated Press of the Ve- covers and covering the Vegas Golden Knights. Mark before that was with, uh, the review journal. Mark's been covering sports in Vegas for a long time. Great guy, great guest, and looking forward to have him on. We'll talk some Raiders. We're going to talk some ACEs we told you. Of course, we're going to talk Vegas Golden Knights. But let's get things going. First, Mo. I appreciate you growing roots in that chair and sticking around for another half hour.
2: No worries, man. Anytime I can talk basketball with someone that knows what they're talking about, especially from Detroit, I'm happy to do it.
1: Well, I was going to say someone that knows what they're talking about, Spencer, but
2: he's not <laughs> from Detroit, so uh, I guess I got to get my own theme, theme music. Or we, we, we're,
1: we're, you're, you're earning it as much as yeah. you're on the air. You've yeah. got to get. We got to get Mo, Paul Mckesky theme music. But um, Coach Mo, Coach Mo, and, and he was Coach Moe. He coached in the NBA, coached all over the place. Was a commissioner of a basketball league not very long ago. And a lot of experiences and and played against some of the best players in the history of one of the world's greatest games. And I got an opportunity. We'll talk about that with Mo as well. Want to get right into the the WNBA, right into the NBA and uh, what I watched last night. And and of course, want your thoughts on it. But after Miami steals game two in Denver, and I mean, they kind of stole it because Butler's not in his best and they're using their role players to get the job done. But they stole game two. Denver hadn't lost a game in the postseason at home. And this happened. So they come back to Miami. Mo, you think they've got all this momentum. They're coming back home. Jimmy Butler's going to get inspired. You've got the fans. You've got the water in South, in South Florida, which uh, obviously, based on what the Florida Panthers and the Miami Heat have done coming from the 8-hole in their prospective sports, I would say the water is uh, something you might want to take a drink of down there. And uh, last night, as a matter of fact, we'll talk about this in a minute, but somebody that you probably like a lot took a drink of the water. He just happened to not be on the Miami Heat team. <laughs> what happened? What happened yesterday?
2: Well, it was a, it wasn't a surprise. I picked Denver because what happens is when you go on the road of a seven-game series and you steal one on the road like Miami did, uh, your flight back to Miami is a lot more fun, and uh, you're getting home and you relax a little bit, and you know, you know, maybe you're not as desperate as you were, uh, and you think, well, we we'll just win game three, as opposed to Denver, who was super pissed off. They get on the plane saying we just blew a game, and we got to go in there and be aggressive and be our themselves so that's only human nature Um, I think one strategically thing um, that uh, Denver did which is mind-boggling I I don't it blows my mind as a coach but I think they figured out the zone that Miami throws uh, has been throwing at people uh, that really probably won the series against the Boston Celtics is Miami's zone because they couldn't figure it out Uh, I think they figured out putting Joker in the middle and having him be just uh, distribute distributor was part of it, but the biggest surprise to me was um, before the game, I said the X factor in this game is Caleb Martin, right? Because he was almost MVP of the East uh, East Finals I think against he the Celtics, been. and uh, you know he comes in. And uh, in game one, he, he scores three points. In game two, he scores three points. So I'm thinking he's going to go home and score 20-some points. He did hit a couple threes, uh, but he only ended up with 10 points. So he wasn't the X-Factor. Eight
1: of the 10 points were like in the first five minutes he came off the bench in the first quarter. Right. And then he did score two points the rest of the way. Which
2: is a good sign But yeah. as when you come off the bench. But the biggest letdown, number one, is uh, Vincent uh who is averaging twenty points a game, uh who's a really good player. I love the way he plays. I love the look he gave in game two to Braun uh Brown when he didn't close him out right and gave him the little look. Uh but he only comes up with seven points and he's better than that. Uh and but number two is Struess and Robinson, the two shooters on that team, when you go home your shooters are supposed to light it up and they were horrible and and they didn't come through. The other concern going into game four, and people didn't see it that much, Lowry hurt himself at the end of that game. And Lowry point-wise and stat-wise isn't huge. Leadership-wise, physicality, taking charges is huge. He might have tweaked something in his knee, Uh, so that's a concern. But uh, uh, I think the biggest surprise was Miami shooters not making shots.
1: Yeah, you know, no question about it. They didn't, they weren't getting the contributions they expected. And Caleb Barton, I thought just like you did, wow, he's back. He's going to have this great game. And he didn't. He came out of the gate strong. He played good defense. He has good court presence. And I'll tell you what, he's already exceeded my expectation of his NBA career with what he's done in the postseason this year. But he is really coming into his own. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you look at Miami and all, of the undrafted free agents that are contributing on that team. That's what surprised me the most. But to me, the biggest surprise last night, and I I thought for sure it was something that you would lead with right off the get-go, was a guy Mm -hmm. from your alma mater. I mean, Christian Braun, 15 points in, in, in his previous, what, the entire playoffs to that point, seven games he'd appeared in, he had a total of 15 points. He gets 15 off the bench that yesterday for Denver. And when I spoke about it at the beginning of the show, the water in South Florida, I'll bet he went down there and drank a gallon when they arrived because It didn't seem like it affected anyone as much as it affected him. As far as playing in this game, he played excellently and a big reason that Denver really manhandled Miami
2: in this game. Yeah, if you watch the playoffs and you watch Denver make their run, uh, almost all the time, the Joker would mention Christian Braun's Brown should be brown. is brown it's brown yeah you're right. should mention his name all the time because he might have played six minutes but he dove on the floor he took a charge he did all that hard work and the joker calls him a winner you're a winner and you play like a winner and the thing that i thought christian did and i met his parents last year here in vegas great people he was raised in a great family uh i've talked to i know denver Nuggets scouts uh who Who mentioned to me they love him, the coaches love him because he's tough, he's physical, and he's relentless, and he's not scared, so you know when he's got a drive against Butler, one of the best players in the league. He doesn't care who it is. He's going right into his body and finishing for a three-point play. And that's what he did. But he's been, in game one, he dove on the floor. He made some plays. Uh, He just had a chance to do it more on the scoring end. But, uh, you know, he's that guy that, you know, steps up. And he made those plays in a big part of the game, too. So, uh, you know, can he do it again? I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, as long as you have, I mean, come on, man. (laughs) I you know I've been around a long time so you know you got a guy that uh scores 34 points 10 rebounds and 10 assists and you don't even talk about him The Joker had 32, 21, and 10. It's amazing. Those two guys, and they're gonna, they're not gonna have those games, but they're gonna have similar games. It's the other guys, the Gordons, the Porters, uh, the Caldwell Popes, the Browns, the Bronze, the Browns, all those guys. So the same players, the same with Miami. Struces, Vincents, uh, Robinsons. Those are the guys. Love needs to step up. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens in Game 4. I think the Miami shooters are going to come through and they're going to make shots. And I think Miami probably wins in a, in a tight game in Game 4. I'm still staying with my pick, Denver in 7.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I just think Denver has too much firepower overall for Miami. And as far as the pure stars go, I want to talk about uh, Jokic in a minute. Uh, the Joker is potentially, I want to know where he ranks right now. And we'll yeah. talk about this in a minute of all-time centers in the nba well, me, it's too early to say all yeah. time let
2: me, yeah let me back up too like so when miami played the bucks they said the same thing right bucks are too strong too talented when miami played boston they said the exact same thing and now miami is playing denver and they're saying the same thing so you know that's uh you know that's uh you know i you know i agree I think Denver is a better team, but I'm not uh, – Miami could win this series. I don't think they will, but it, I think it's going to be a series.
1: Well, you know, I was I was talking about when we were at your house watching the, the Game 7 that Jimmy Butler is Superman. I have never in my life, in all my years watching and covering sports, seen a person with the ability to elevate his game to a level that is almost un- uncanny. Because he just something turns into him in the playoffs. You're talking about a, a team, the eighth seed. Now Miami may be better than a true than they Yeah, they're not an eighth uh, seed. But, but they had that, to win the their Warrior, way in. The
2: Warriors won a seventh seed in the Lakers. No, I agree. So, yeah, but they had to win.
1: Year. They had to win their way in. Sure, absolutely. And and they had to get this done. Beat the number one seed, Milwaukee. Granted, without Giannis for most of the series, and you know you lose Giannis. Come on, man. I mean, that's a huge loss. But still, they beat him. And they have been an underdog in every series to this point, except the Knicks, probably. Well, the Knicks. Maybe. May, um, I, I'd say. You know, a pick them a little bit, but a lot yeah. of people were very high on the Knicks, and again, Miami was the a seed, mm-hmm. so you have to give them the credit for being an eight seed, uh, and yet this team did what they had to do and then in boston it would have been so easy after losing winning the first three losing the second three to fold up in the garden one of as you know one of the hardest places to play yeah, in the it's nba not the
2: garden anymore. no it is not the garden anymore <laughs> it's but garden. It,
1: it's still on the, road, on the and, road and you're talking about boston fans which mm. are still uh pretty intense and pretty involved yep. and uh hard play and jimmy butler and the miami heat just said no said, you won three, that's enough, we're going to win now. And they did. And they went on to the series, and I gave them a pass in Game 1 thinking, man, the emotional highs and lows of the Eastern Conference Finals, I didn't expect them to win Game 1, but I didn't expect them to win Game 2 either. I think... You know, game four is crucial, obviously, for them. They can't, you can't go down three one to this, to this, uh, D- Denver Nuggets team. There's just no way. They're too good. I think Miami does have to win this game. And I think a guy like Jimmy Butler has the ability, Mo, to, uh, to bring it up. We are talking, by the way, um, to, a, a long time NBA player, a guy that has played against some of my heroes in the National Basketball League. Paul McKeskey, uh, played at the University of Kansas, um, you know, has 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 done and, and seen just about everything, and, and and just again, you know, giving your boy some credit, Brown, mm-hmm. Christian Brown, you know, just turned 22 in April. He looked like a seasoned veteran out there. The way he played with his intensity, he looked like he belonged, and that was really cool to see. Yeah. And I think the upside yeah. of this kid, Paul, is is really
2: big. Yeah, you know, he's not the, he wasn't the best player of Kansas, right? No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was drafted in the second round. And I think uh, was right the,
1: first round. He got 21st. They picked him uh, with the 21st pick So overall.
2: when did Denver pick uh, Watson? I think. Is that the Ku player? Yeah, the, the, pick? The, the, lottery pick. Yeah, lottery pick. Yeah, that's been in the in the G League all yep, year. Yeah, all year. So and this Brown, kid, yeah, Brown's used to this kind of underdog thing. But you know, once again, I've I've watched him play. I saw him in person. Uh, you know, met him at Kansas, met his parents. He's just a tough, tough kid that has more talent than you think. And you know what? At Kansas, he was known more for his three-point shot. <laughs> no, well, that's the whole thing. He is known as a perimeter shooter. Yeah. And and this kid shows that he has the ability to play some pretty tough
1: defense. He's long. Uh, he He's athletic. And I loved what I saw from him last night. Like I said, 15 points in the playoffs total and 15 points last night. Something they're going to look at and something that obviously uh, Michael Malone has to be thrilled with having that player sitting on his bench. The guy, though, the, you know, the two guys that run the show, obviously, you you know, Joker, you know, arguably the best player in the game right now. One of the best centers, I think, when he ends up his career. If he stays healthy, that's the key is staying healthy. If he stays healthy. Which for, I think he will. Which, which he will. You the know, way he, the way he plays. The way yeah. he plays, Yeah. yeah. Uh, we may be talking about him as one of the greatest players of all time, as you mentioned. You know what he what he did last night, what he's done. And we'll talk about that in a second. Before we get to Joker, though, I did want to talk about Jamal Murray, because this guy really is a spark plug for this team that makes him go. He has had 10 assists in each of the first, first first three games. He is a premier distributor, but he's also a premier scorer. I mean, some of the some of the perimeter shots he took, Mo, and tell me if I'm wrong. He was defended as good as you can be defended. I mean, you had guys jumping out at him with their hand in their face, and he's fallen backwards three feet beyond the three-point line. And it's nothing. It just goes—you don't even see it go in the basket. It goes in so quickly. He's that good of a shooter and has that good of range and that good of ability.
2: Yeah, that's why uh, when everybody was a controversy of timeout or no timeout at the end of Game 2, absolutely no timeout. Let Jamal Murray take that shot. He just missed it by an inch, and he makes that. But, yeah, he's— uh, uh, I know Jamal, uh, Murray. Uh, I was up in Canada coaching and he was at Orangeville Prep with Thon Maker. And, uh, oh man, my name's, uh, the guy, uh, that played for Memphis, uh, that they didn't bring back because he's, uh, he's been in. You should know. Spencer al- would know that. He way. always says the wrong, uh,
3: Oh, Dylan Brooks.
2: Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. They were on the same Orangeville prep team. Wow. And I watched them practice. I watched them play. Thonmaker, you know, was supposed to be a point guard, seven foot, blah, blah, blah. You know, decent player. Uh, Dylan Brooks, really good player, really physical. Great at Oregon. Trash talker, shut up. Uh, but Jamal Murray was the guy when, uh, when Duke, when Kansas, when uh, uh, UCLA, when North Carolina came in that gym, and uh, I knew and all those coaches, and they would come over and talk to me. I would say, you know, those guys are good. Look at this kid, Jamal Murray. Because not only is he skilled, but he's he's coachable, he's got a great uh, uh, competitiveness, and he's going to be a star. And he is. He is a star and right now. And he had now. to come through, like, terrible knee surgery. Uh, and, he, and he persevered through all that. And uh, it's just good because he had such a great – Uh, bubble uh, run, you know, and then he tore up his knee, and then everybody forgot about him, right? And now he's, and I know I have bad knees, it takes a long time to come back, and now to see him at this level, he's better than he was before. You know,
1: and, and when you talk about knees, you do have bad knees, and we were talking about that the other night, almost joking around about it. It's no joke. It matter. I've had one major knee surgery in my life, and it was no fun. Very young, thank God, so I was able to come back, and I've never had problems with the knee again. But when you have basically reconstructive knee surgery like Jamal Murray had, in the NBA, which is a game of stopping and starting on a regular basis, which requires your joints and ligaments in your knees and ankles especially, that is, that is I think, why, Paul, people kind of wrote him off. And said, you know, how do you come back? Because the type of player he is, a guy that's up and down the court, that stops and pops from anywhere, and is tenacious defensively, and also pretty damn good distributor, as we already talked about. When you have all those elements of your game, you gotta have your knees. And this guy obviously, modern medicine is amazing, as we know. Too bad it wasn't around when you were uh-huh, around. Yeah. yeah, you'd be in I a lot have, better shape to now.
2: 12, I would have played 14, maybe. Seriously.
1: Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, that is something that you know you have to account for, why people didn't, didn't realize how good he is. But now we are seeing the ceiling of Jamal Murray and it is exceptionally high and you know with him and Jokic this Denver team could be a juggernaut for a while because you want to talk about one of the best nucleuses in the National Basketball Association it's the Denver Nuggets it's really nice to see them I remember Paul growing up and watching uh, the Denver Nuggets with Doug Moe and every game there's if if you wanted to see a defensive game you didn't watch this game you never watched Denver play but Alex English and these guys just lighting it up from the outside and that's what Moe and, and I always liked them because, as a kid, you want to see scoring. Anybody that you know that doesn't really understand the full intricacies of the game wants to see scoring, and that's what Denver provided: was big, big scores, big games. They didn't win all the time because, as much as they would score, they outscored because that's how bad guess, defensively they were. Guess what the were.
2: best defense is? Guess what the best defense is? A good offense. Yes. Yeah. Keep scoring.
1: Yeah. Keep scoring. <laughs> yeah. You can't. And, and, and that's you know. So it's nice to see Denver finally in the finals, and I think yeah. finally over the top. You know, I. I do like what Miami did. It's a storybook thing, but I think overall, and, and I just think you go to the best players and, and, as good as Jimmy Butler is, and I will take nothing away from this guy because when this guy puts on that playoff hat and is at his best, like I said, I've never seen anyone better. But I think the best overall player in, on the floor is is Jokic, and it's hard to say that Jamal Murray is not couldn't live right next door to Jimmy Butler.
2: Yeah, and that uh, Bam Adebayo. Uh, oh, Bam Adebayo. He's he's, yeah. a, he's a good player, but he's no Joker. No, so, no, no. That's why the role players are so important. Yeah, I, I put it this way.
1: The combination of Joker-Murray far exceeds the combination of Adebayo and Butler, which as good as really they are. Good, yeah. Which is really yeah. Which shows you yeah. how good Denver is, and the reason they've had the team. Listen, before we take a break, we've got a couple more minutes. I want to talk about the center, as we mentioned. You talked about last night the, the incredible game that the Joker had. No one has ever done 30-20-10 in a triple-double in the finals in NBA uh, history.
2: Will Chamberlain did 50-30, and 30, I think. In a
1: playoff game. Yeah. Not in the finals. Yeah. It's never been done in the finals. And here's the deal. This is the third game that Jokic has had 20, or excuse me, 30 plus points, 20 plus rebounds and 10 plus assists. The third time he's done that in the postseason, in his career. Do you know that it's only been done two other times by two players and it was done each time once? Hello? It was yes. done each time once. And by the, and the two players that did it, you, Will Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar—they did it once. Kareem did it way back when he was with the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. and Will Chamberlain did it, with it when he was with the Seventy Sixers. Mm-hmm. That's how rare of a feat it's done. And Joker's already done it three times, and we're not even close to the end of this guy's career.
2: Yeah, it's it's—he's uh, just an all-around player. And you know, uh, you know, uh, Kareem, a play—you know, great player, Wan, Shaq. You know these these guys people forget like George Mikan back in the day and everything you know my my guy, my goat, my, my best big guys will you can't argue the numbers he put up, and he did have two championships, but the joker in longevity he put
1: numbers up with women too didn't he put some big numbers up there uh, ten thousand I think
2: <laughs> <laughs> but he like uh, the joker has the the talent, and quite frankly, people laugh at him, right? look at him. He's not an athlete. He's not like these guys. It is but the most awkward thing I've ever seen to see somebody that good and yet look that awkward. And, being that and good. that's going to help him more than anything because it, if you don't jump, you can't land and get hurt. And if you play on the ground, you have less chance of getting hurt and longevity because he's going to have to play, you know, twenty years to 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 play with you know to get these kind of numbers. So get, being injured and uh, you know, let's. Face it, when you saw a picture of him two years ago and you look at him now, he put the time in. He's, he's more athletic, he's less tired, he's in great shape. And he, 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 when you watch uh, him running and with his conditioning coach in the offseason last year, what they did up and higher than Denver, even higher than that, you know, that's what takes players to get him to the next level. And, uh, you know, he's right there. It's longevity. It's, he has the talent. Yeah, no and
1: I agree. Once, like I said, at the in ten year in in, in seven or eight years from now, Paul, we could be sitting there having a conversation saying, "There's no question, Joker is the best player that ever, the best big man that's ever played." We could be saying that down the road. That's the potential I see in this guy. Now, again, that's down the road. To me, I'm not disagreeing with you. Will Chamberlain, one of the most dynamic, unstoppable forces in the history of the game, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a shot, the skyhook. That there's not a player that's ever been alive that could stop that
2: thing. I want the Joker to get a guy oh. he needs to
1: develop one that would but be awesome. but the guy that to me that was the most dominating and, and again a statistics aside I've never seen anyone dominate the paint like Shaquille O'Neal, and and again his game because it was Hack a Shack that was real. He he you know free throws were a problem, and when you're going down the stretch in a big game in a tight game, that is a huge problem, and that's why that's why he shouldn't be in the conversation. But that's the only reason. Teams used to get three centers. If you were in the same division as 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 uh, sh- as um Shaq, you needed three centers to be able to have enough fouls to play with this guy. Yeah. He was just that dominant. Nobody in the bat in the National Basketball Station could guard him. A effectively over a long period of time
2: yep. so i mean kareem finesse Shaq power wilt both yep and
1: then there's a sign behind you spencer Sh- shapiro had to put that sign up for Mckeski. he he doesn't leave him alone with that so he, he did you see the sign? No. did you turn around and look go ahead and look what it says so you know Sh- shapiro just doesn't stop it's the same <laughs>
2: it's, it's, it's either that or sign my card, sign my card. Screw you, Brian. <laughs> but
1: uh but no uh, listen we are overdue for a break i know we do got to take a break here in a minute um we uh, I want to thank, first of all, Paul, for sticking around funny, today. We got, I know I got to get you out of bed on a Sunday well, morning. I you know can, it, it, uh, you'll enjoy yourself. Spencer, how much fun do we have on the show Sunday mornings?
3: It's very fun, even though it's very early in the morning. It, we, we can we find are, a way we, to have well, fun. Which
1: one
2: of you is going to come to my house, bring me
3: Starbucks we, we at we 8 a.m.?
2: And then uh, and a uh, classic coffee. I'm going to have to try to talk Spencer or have it delivered. That
1: that I might be able to do. We all we need, like I said, you can lay in bed and be on the phone. You don't want this see guy. That. You uh, are well, not. We won't. We won't put you on. We're going to keep you on the phone on that one. But <laughs> this guy, like I said to him when I texted him the other day, he in his sleep, knows more about basketball than half the people out there that pretend to. You should listen to Paul McKeskey sometime. Understanding and his knowledge of the game is incredible. That's why he's on this show and on a lot of shows these days. You know, plus the fact that you played a long time in the league and plus the fact that you're a giant. So all those things. Listen, man, take care of the <laughs> appreciate knee. appreciate it. Appreciate you coming in for yeah. the show today. Well. And uh, I guess I'll be seeing you for Game 4. We'll get somewhere and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll have we gotta some Yeah, we've
2: got to find food. a good screen and uh, good uh, duels. And I I'm going to keep O'Doul's. texting you about Sunday. I'm not going to let you off the hook on that Yeah, one. you might be twisting me... All those compliments you just paid me? See? Might have come uh, I got to pay some more.
1: I got Spencer and I.
2: Spencer and I will get some more before we're done. Listen, I'm Brian Feldman filling
1: in for TC Martin. Paul McKeskey just joined the show. To my left on your radio dial is uh, the Wiz, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski. And of course, right in front of me is uh, the man himself that takes care of everything. Justin Tuck, also known as NUMCHUCK. NUMCHUCKS. And uh, TC Martin, whose show this is, will be joining the show at the other side of this break. Once again, this is I the TC Martin. I see. He's
2: been eating real. Really well. He always yeah, eats really well. Good. And I
1: want to close by saying if you miss any part of this show or any show, go to tcmartin.com under the podcast section. Also check out the interview page and hear from our guests. Go to the current uh, classic interview pages anytime at TC Mo- show Martin, uh, tcmartinshow.com. I better get that right. We're out. We'll be back in about uh, three minutes.
2: Hi, this is Becky Hammond, head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show.
1: All right, welcome back to the T.C. Martin Show. And guess what? The doctor's actually in right now. He's joining us for a segment. He is in Connecticut right now where the WNBA 2022 champion aces won. Vegas's first ever professional championship, not even a year ago. TC, what is going on, man? Thanks for joining the show.
0: Brian, what's happening, man? Appreciate you uh, stepping in today, carrying the torch, holding it down, doing a fantastic job, brother. Really appreciate you. You
1: know, it's my pleasure. We're having having a lot of fun here. Just had uh, Big Mo in, who you've had on the show before. But I got to tell you, you know, watching this Aces team, uh, I am I talked about it on my show on Sunday, and I thought, how much traction is this going to get because I have been hearing more and more people talk about is could this possibly be it professional team that runs the table that wins this year. It's 40 games. Last year it was 36. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this. It's kind of ridiculous. It's so hard to bring it every single night and win. And then last night I'm watching the the NBA Finals uh, game three, and I hear Jeff Van Gundy. And here, if Justin's got the sound TC. Hopefully you'll be able to hear this, but this is from last night's game. Listen to what he had to say.
2: The Aces may run the table and not get beat this year. What are do you doing? I'm saying. No, you don't even mean that I do mean that you don't mean that it could happen. If they come ready to play it could happen.
0: Have you seen a, a team in the history of sports come ready to play every night? Their talent level is
1: overwhelming even if they don't come ready to play on some nights as Miami Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson talking about the Las Vegas Aces last night when they were previewing a couple of upcoming at WNBA games. TC, what do you think of that conversation?
0: First of all, I love Jeff. Uh, I got a chance to spend a little bit of time with him uh, when he's been here for the NBA Summer League. Uh, And I really like him on the broadcast as well, too. Um, Here's the thing, man. This conversation has already come up, as you know. And that's why, you know people in Vegas are talking about it and the national media are now talking about it because this team has looked very very good through the first 7 games. But man, I want to squash, you know, all of that talk because it is so difficult to, you know, win go to win 5 games in a row, to win 10 games in a row and for people to think that It's, you know, an easy thing to do to run the table and go 40 and 0. It's insane. And, you know, I tell people, hey, be happy. At 32 and 8 or 34 and 6. I mean, that's going to be fantastic. It's going to give them the number one seed. And I had this conversation with Becky Hammond because we know it's out there. And she said, hey, you know, we're going to go out and try to win every game, but that talk is ludicrous. I want to shut it down. I don't want people talking about it because as long as we get the number one seed, that's all that matters. And you, you think back to. You know, the Warriors with the 73-win season, you think about the Bulls in 72, and so you're going to get that talk. But to think that it can actually happen or it's a foregone conclusion, it's a
1: 1,000-to-one shot. I, I would agree with you, TC. Like I said, put it this way, though. I will say this. It's more than mere rhetoric simply because this team, as Jeff Van Gundy just said, is really that good, TC. they are. It's not so much just their depth. It is the strength of that starting squad that they have right now. I mean, with Jackie Young coming into her own, as she has since even a little bit before the Olympics, Kelsey Plum now established herself as one of the best guards in the game. And, of course, Asia Wilson, you've got the reigning league MVP and the reigning uh, finals MVP in Chelsea Gray. This team is that strong. Do I think they're going to win every game? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely not. But like I said, it's more than just mere rhetoric to talk about it. Because this team, even as Van Gundy said, TC, even on an off night, the talent level is so high, they can still win games. It is true with that.
0: But here's why I like to you know say hey you need to, to check yourself before you, you make these type of, of comments because here's what a lot of people don't understand Brian they don't understand how good and competitive this league is and for people that don't follow the WNBA they just think okay they see a team it's got five all-stars like the Aces or they look at the New York Liberty who now has Brianna Stewart and they've got three four all-stars on their team they think okay that's it and uh, the rest of the league is is not very good that that is false remember this is the hardest roster to make in any professional sport because you only have 12 teams and i'll use this example and and becky used this when we were talking the other day she goes say if you take took the best player in the nba off of charlotte you took the best player off of oklahoma city took the best player off of portland or whatever okay and and you do that okay and with only 12 teams cuz the NBA you have 30 teams all right so when you you do this and and this is what the WNBA rosters are like every team is rock solid from 1 to 12 they might not all have all stars but every team has four or five really good players and the bench players are very good as well too because only 144 women throughout the entire world can make this roster. I mean, think about that. 12 teams, 144 roster spots. It's not that way in any other league. You know, we're talking 30, 32 teams, you know, in every other sport. So I just like to, to caution people that because if you do watch this league and you watch it on a regular basis, you see night in and night out. You see some phenomenal talent, some phenomenal teams, And uh, it's very hard to win on any given night, especially when you go on the road, especially when you factor in the road uh, travels that these women have to go through. I mean, we were just talking two nights ago. I mean, the Aces had had trouble here. They're on a four-game road trip, and they've struggled in Indiana. they struggled in Atlanta. All right, they won pretty convincingly the other night, even though Connecticut came back and you know got it to within three with four minutes to go. But the Aces had some road troubles uh, where they they had flight issues just coming from Indiana to Connecticut and didn't get a chance to have a practice. You know, came in late night the, the night before. So, and as you know, these things happen in the WNBA. Remember the Aces? You know, a couple of seasons ago, they had to forfeit a game because they had to spend the night in, in an airport—not one airport, but two different yeah. trips in Washington D.C. and and in Dallas... So it's tough, man, and you factor in the travel, you factor in everything else. I'm just saying, you know, if that happens, I mean, that's going to be, to me, that'd be more phenomenal than what the Bulls or the Warriors did.
1: Yeah, like I said, TC, I have no, I, no qualms about that happening whatsoever. I mean, I, I should, there's no way. I don't see it. But like I said, when a guy like Jeff Van Gundy, who, like yourself, I respect a great deal, puts something like that out there, you got to give it a little bit of traction. I mean, this is a guy who definitely understands the game of basketball. Basketball and I'm sure what you said makes a great deal of sense. 144 roster spots, that's ridiculous. But I'm sure he understands that as well. I get what you're saying, and I think no way can they do this, but you know, I look at some of the greatest streaks to start a season of all time. You know, you know, the NFL, the undefeated season of the Dolphins, what the Patriots did before they lost to the Giants, and I believe it was I think eighty-two and eighty-seven. You had the Milwaukee Brewers in eighty-two won thirteen straight games, and the Braves in eighty-seven won thirteen. Those are really unprecedented streaks as well when you think Major League Baseball and the of how hard it is to win thirteen games in a row. I would equate that to like a, a a twenty game winning streak in another sport where you have less players and a less opportunity to win. But again, I agree with you. Yeah. I just say it's not mere rhetoric, TC, simply because I think the Aces are that good of a basketball team. But again, to play that way for forty games in a row and win every game, like you said, a thousand to one shot. Uh,
0: yeah, and let's don't forget the Oakland A's who have the record of, of twenty wins in a row. Yeah. Remember that was during the Moneyball, you know, team. So that, yeah, that, that was, was
1: during the season. I was saying like the yeah. start of season. Oh, you're talking you could go, of season. Yeah, at a start a season right, right, to go right, undefeated. Right. Two yeah. teams yeah. that have the longest winning streaks are 13 games, yeah. and to me, that's incredible when you look at baseball.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right, and uh, you know, again, you know, they're going to get Connecticut's best shot, you know, again tonight. And when they play those games uh, against, uh, you know, the Liberty and the Washington Mystics. And then, again, you know, Phoenix is, is continuing to get better with with Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi. So, I mean, they're going to be challenged. I would love to see it. I mean, that would be fantastic. But, uh, yeah, they do, uh, you know, they, they do have a great team. The chemistry is fantastic. They have a fantastic coach. But uh, this is, I'll tell you, it, it's a great league to watch.
1: No, it really is. You do a great job. TC, of course, does the play-by-play for them and does a tremendous job for the Aces, and that's where he's on the road doing right now. And and again, I, you know, I, I agree. This team is a lot of fun to watch. They're very, very talented. And the, and the WNBA is a better product than people give it credit for being sometimes. But I think now with what we've seen the Aces do, especially that practice facility they put up in Henderson, people are starting to pay a lot more attention. And I think a lot of that credit does go to the Aces and the marketing ability of the Aces staff and what Mark Davis is doing. You know, he loves this team probably close to as much as he loves the Raiders, and who would have ever thought somebody would be able to say that?
0: And that's 100% correct, and people need to realize that. As far as, you know, his favorites, he'll tell you, it's 1-1-A. in 1A. I mean, there is a, it's like a coupled, uh, you know, uh, horse race entry, you know. He really feels that when he you know how he feels about women's sports. And again, Mark Davis did not have to take on uh, this uh, project of, of buying. The Aces, but he did it basically be- to honor his, his father, who loved you know was one of the first owners in any professional sport to come out and say, "Hey, you know we need to give more love uh, to, to women's athletics." You know, going back to Title Nine, and Mark fell right into that. And Mark loved it. You saw Mark, you know, coming out here the very f- first couple years, you know, when he wasn't an owner and you know bought uh, season tickets, sitting in half court because he loves the product, and he did not have to. You know, take take this on. Let's remember, Mark Davis hasn't made any money with this team. All right. He has not made any money. Matter of fact, he's lost money yep. and he may make money this year just because you know they've got six thousand now season ticket holders. That's a, a jump up just in over a year and a half of twenty two hundred. And we remember where the ACEs started, even though they had decent crowds when they first started. But now you've got, you know, let's also add in the marketing package and the television package that ABC and ESPN have and now they're seeing some of the highest ratings they've ever had in this 27 year history of the WNBA and plus having the all-star game here in Vegas having the franchise here in Vegas having you know the Aces be that good and other teams you know again you know the superstars Of Sue Bird, who just retired, and Brianna Stewart, who's still there, Dinah Tarazzi, Brittany Griner, so many others, Candace Parker, who is now with the Aces. I mean, all of that just kind of like is is showing, you know, glow on this product. And it does help when you have an NFL owner who is now at the forefront and saying, spend more money. Let's get charter flights for these women. Let's do all this. Now you have a collective bargaining uh, agreement now that's in place where these women are finally making money. You're seeing Asia Wilson and so many uh, others. Rika Ugo, Ugo and everybody else, you know, on national television commercials from AT&T to Ruffles to everything else. So, I mean, this is really, you know, getting to be an equal of the other sports when it comes to that. It's been a long time coming. And I know that everyone wants to see expansion, but they're they're afraid because they really like where they're at right now, where every team has star power, and if you expand it maybe to 16, maybe you'll lose a little bit of that. So I think that is the caution. But right now, it is in the best shape it's ever been.
1: Yeah, I agree. You don't want to expand yet and dilute it in any way, shape, or form. Let the league become profitable before you start expanding it. And I think one of the reasons, TC, for the increase in season ticket holders in Las Vegas and the increase in interest in ratings is somebody you just mentioned one of the most charismatic faces of a league I think that's out there and that's Asia Wilson she has become basically the face of the WNBA and she is so charismatic she is so user-friendly for lack of a better term and I think that really helps as much as anything promote the WNBA
0: 100% agree and you know this as well as I do Brian she is so approachable And she never turns down interviews. She doesn't turn down, uh, uh, you know, selfie requests. And She loves kids. She loves kids. Yeah, no, I mean, and she's invested. And she told me, you know, the day that she was drafted, she goes, I know the responsibility that's on my shoulders being a number one overall pick. And, you know, I'm going to give everything I can to this franchise. And she's done it. And just every year, I mean, there's so many excuses. And we've all seen it in every sport where, you know, even at the collegiate level where you get – You know, uh, superstar athletes and they kind of roll their eyes. Oh, another media request. Oh, I've got to do this and this and that. She never turns it down. She never shies away from it, even though she'll maybe dog tired. But when that camera light goes on or the microphone goes on, there's Asia Wilson smiling, being that face of the Las Vegas Aces, and like you said, being the face of the WNBA.
1: No, 100%. and, And as you said, approachable, a great leader, and someone we all like being around. And you know what's the coolest thing, TC, is in all sports, it is so rare to get the first overall pick to become an absolute superstar. Does it happen? Of course it does. They wouldn't be the first overall pick. But she has lived up to everything. When they got her, when she was drafted number one overall out of South Carolina, they got exactly what they had hoped they would get out of her. A charismatic leader, not just on the floor, but off the floor. And she has been everything they could have possibly hoped for. And uh, last question for you, TC, before I let you go and get ready for this game. Becky Hammond's future. You know, obviously she's with the Aces right now. She doesn't want to talk about it personally. With the San Antonio Spurs getting the number one pick, I know people thought she might end up in Toronto, but with them getting the number one pick, I think that might rejuvenate a little bit of life into Pop, and he might decide to hang around a couple more years. I really thought that would be the landing spot of the first ever female coach in the NBA, and I think it is going to be Becky Hammonds. What do you you think about her future, TC? I
0: think when there is that time that they open the door and have a... Female head coach, it will be Becky Hammond. I think there's no question about that. As long as she wants to do that, and she does, there, there's no question. And I'm not sure she really wanted um, the Toronto job. I'm not sure that she wanted uh, the attention that came with it at this point in time. And to her, you know, her own um, admission, you know, Becky's only been a head coach now you know, for a little more than a, a, a season. Okay, now she's, you know, spent 12, 13 seasons in in the NBA. Uh, you know, she's, she's, she's great, but you know, she's still, she's still learning as a head coach and she'll be the first to tell you that. And, uh, she's very happy here. She's the highest paid woman, uh, you know, highest paid coach, I should say, highest paid coach in the WNBA history at $1 million a season. She loves this team. She's very happy here. Uh, when those opportunities come up, she's going to listen, but she's not going to take a job just to take a job. She's not going to take a bad job. And as we know, most of the jobs that come up in sports are usually not good jobs, you know, because they fire their coach or their their teams are struggling. So I think it's very important for not just Becky Hammond, but anybody that's considering taking a professional coaching job that you make the right choice and how many times we've seen college coaches or or former players come in and and take jobs that they're really not qualified for or it's a little too much or you know they're taking over a really bad situation I don't want to see that happen with her and I'm not sure that Toronto would have been the right situation for her so I'm glad she's here these players are glad uh, she's still uh, here but I think, you know, eventually, yeah, she will be an NBA coach.
1: You're right. Jumping around from league to league, especially college of the pros, there's not a lot of Larry Browns out there that have had that kind of success. And talk about the mentorship she has had. Oh, my God, to be able to mentor under a guy like Pop. And again, I think it's going to be the San Antonio, just an opinion down the road, because the nice thing is the, the legendary San Antonio Spurs that, that Greg Popovich created have kind of been on the downslide. So she doesn't have to come in like when the, he retires when they're on a high and you've got to take over and that's situation there won't be as many expectations and that may be the perfect spot for her at some point especially with the draft
0: right Brian let me add to that Uh, that is seems to be the perfect spot because she spent all that time under pop and you know she played in San Antonio I mean they love her in San Antonio and she knows, you know, people in that front office, so it makes all the sense in the world. And here's another thing too: that she's in constant contact with Pop, and you know, she talks about it all the time. And and she's still picking his brain. He's a big supporter of her and the WNBA. So I think, you know, when it's time, she is going to get a serious, serious look at that, and that could be the landing spot and say Pop has another year or maybe two, then that gives her maybe another opportunity to to grab another championship or two here to bolster her resume, to even get her more money uh, and more recognition. So it makes all the sense in the world. I think, like I said, I think you agree with me. It's just like, you know, sometimes you got to... Go, you know, hang back and say, "Okay, this isn't the right spot for me." San Antonio is a perfect spot for her.
1: No, it is, and, and, and for all the reasons you mentioned and more. Um, and, and I think she would be the perfect heir apparent to Pop again, be p- coaching underneath him. And she's already showed just by coming to the Dumbbee NBA in her first year. You can see how much uh, you know all the, the ladies that play for her, how much they love her, and, uh, and and that goes that goes a long way when you're looking at uh, interviewing or potentially hiring a head coach down the road. He is TC Martin in Connecticut. The doc- himself, we appreciate you taking the time out. Enjoy the rest of your time, and we'll try to do as good of a job as we can back in D.C. <laughs> hey,
0: man, I know we're in good hands with you. Uh, so I appreciate that, man. appreciate everything that you do and, uh, and, and the support, uh, you know, not only for uh, for me, the show, but more importantly, you know, Las Vegas sports. I mean, you can, you can see Brian Feldman at every event. It doesn't matter what it is, how big or how small, uh, he is there. So, and uh, you cover it fantastic, my friend. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you very much, TC. Appreciate the comments. Once again, that is the Dr. T.C. Martin. He'll be back live in studio a week from, uh, well, next Wednesday, not quite a week away, and we'll bring up uh, who is going to be hosting the show a little bit later on down the road. So appreciate T.C. And uh, Spencer, I'm going to let you chime in real quick. We'll let T.C. go. On the WNBA, the Aces, I know you're a big, big fan. So to close out this segment, give me your feelings on the WNBA Aces. I know, you know, it's like joking around saying, can they run the table? There's seven games into a 40-game season. We've already talked about, you know, potential winning streaks, but I'll tell you what, when there's only only five players, you know, that start a team. It's not like a baseball team where you've got nine or a football team where you've got eleven on the field at any one given time. You know, you know, hockey you have five players as well, but that's a whole different sport because of the goaltender in hockey makes such a difference. Basketball is a different different animal. I mean, it truly is. And, um, and, and, you know, and this team is so good and so talented to add Candace Parker. I know De'Erica Hamby was a hell of a basketball player, but Candace Parker is one of the greatest of all time. Granted, at the tail end of her career, but her,
3: yeah, it's not like they need her to do a lot no, though. You know what I her mean? Her
1: experience alone, just having her presence, Spencer, is gigantic. But what do you think about this WNBA, uh, aces team? I think I, I'm going to say it right now. I can't imagine the aces not repeating as WNBA champions. The question is the running the table at OTC. And I like what he did because, hey, he does play-by-play for (laughs) them. If if they lose a game, they're going to all go jump on him and say, you jinxed us. I I got you, TC. But what do you think, Spencer? Because do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. Do I think it's possible? God, I don't want to say it, but yeah, I do believe there is a slight possibility this team could win every game in the regular
3: season. Well, talking about the W, the WNBA, something that is really unique about their league is how short their games are, which means your starters can play most of the game, which obviously is different for the NBA. Well, other than maybe the NBA finals where basically the bench is just seven, you know, people. But that's kind of what it is like. And that was one thing that Becky Hammond, I think, changed a lot. I don't have any statistics to back it. I know you love your, your stats there, Brian, but I can, you can just tell when she came in, I noticed a difference. They weren't going deep in the bench. Bill Ambier kind of played it as a five, five, you know, the way it is in the NBA. And Becky's like, well, they're playing a shorter game. Our, you know, our players can play just as much as they can. And I think that made all the difference in the world. Uh, yeah.
1: No, it it did. And I think a shortened game, you're right. And also less of a season, although a lot of these girls still go over and play in, saying, Europe you, she, in the
3: offseason. Yeah, Becky Hammond really maximized that, you know what I mean? Saying that play. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously, they have a great chance to go all the way this year. I think they do have the opportunity to win all the games. Whether or not that's good for them as a team, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think uh, going back, one other thing you said about the Aces, about how long Becky Hammond will stay, it's kind of hard to tell. You know, she's going to have a few opportunities, but we've seen that for a long time. A lot of teams dangle her name because she is a woman. I don't think anybody can deny that. They want to say, oh, it's great that we have a woman going in there. She goes for all these interviews. She never makes. It just kind of feels like virtue signaling. Maybe that happens like in the NFL too, you know, for uh, African American coaches. But for the most part, I think there will be a time, especially if it just wins more and more and more. And there's a lot more pressure from the NBA for diversity. I think they're going to really start laying it on. She's like one of the top candidates. There really aren't a lot of head coaches left other than like from the assistant coaching farms, you know, out on the market. No, and Spencer,
1: it's due to happen. In one of the major sports, you're due to see a female head coach at some point in time. And, you know, as as TC said, I, I don't disagree. Agree that if you're looking at one, Becky Hammond is as She's good as anyone right out there whatsoever. But again, when you talk about expansion, and yes, 6,000 season seats yeah. are amazing for the, the, the aces. But Spencer, again, you know, and, and, and again, not to naysay at all, but it's a fact. The WNBA loses money and still lost money last year. The Aces look like, as a team, they might be a little bit I profitable. Think the,
3: I, I think the WNBA has needed this for a long time. A team that is dominant. How much is the torch and been passed around? Is, and, and a team it's a from, headline. If yeah. you win multiple, cha- like if you win three championships in a row, that's a headline that I think everybody in the sports world. Would well, at and least I think Spencer, to.
1: it's it's the Vegas element. It's having a team in Vegas. Vegas just does something different. People want to watch. I mean, in between periods, people sit and don't go get things at the at the night's game because you don't know what you're going to see in between periods. There's going to be a Cirque du Soleil show. And I mean, that adds appeal. And again, I really believe, as I talked about with TC Spencer, Asia Wilson is the difference maker. Asia Wilson is such a charismatic person. She's out there. She talks to everyone. She's so user-friendly that, again, that really bodes well for the league. You need players like that. that, Plus, her being, you know, she's pretty as well. That doesn't hurt either. No,
3: you're absolutely right. And one thing that when Mark Davis came in that he really did was he pushed it right he put in more money than was worth it I think so many problems that these WNBA teams had is they invested and they went right into the ebb and flow of what the WNBA was Mark Davis approached it differently he gave him he gave Becky Hammond this massive contract that kind of shaped the way that like the pay grade in the WNBA works the more money you put into it the more opportunity it has to grow
1: yeah, without question. And Mark Davis, like like T C said, one A is the Raiders, one B or one is the Raiders, one A is the, the Aces. He really does love owning the team. Listen, well, way overdue for a break. We're gonna get it going. Want to thank TC Martin for joining the show. You can hear TC on 920 uh in about uh, an hour from right now as the Aces will tip off against the Connecticut Sun back to back games in Connecticut. They beat them 90-84 on Tuesday. Uh they'll go for their eighth win in a row to start this season at four o'clock today. Once again, I'm Brian Felt- Filling in for the doctor, TC Martin. And don't forget to come by and see the show live every Friday, 2 to 4 p.m., at the Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas, the world's largest sports book, home of the giant 4K video wall. Watch the games in comfort in a non smoking environment. The world famous Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas. TC won't be there this week, though, obviously.